episode of the Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. I'm Christine. And today we're talking about the movie and book of the ruins. Oh wait, no we're not because Christine didn't finish her homework in time. <laughs> I, I love the off air. It's like no big deal. It's like, totally That's fine. Cool. Yeah, yeah, no, no, and then fine. the second we start recording. <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I still need to finish it. And that's okay. So I, again, I don't even think I said it on the last episode. I feel like I probably said it was on Facebook. So we will, in time, come back and do our film and novel of the ruins. But that's okay. Instead, we're just doing another catch up. Yeah. I've, and I've been watching stuff, and Ooh. I think you have too. I kind of have. a lot. I'm looking at my list, and actually quite a few of the ones I have in here, or maybe uh, two or three, were recommends from you. So. Oh, good. I look yeah. forward to talking about them. Yeah. Uh, we, as is often the case, I think both of our lists are mainly horror, but both of us have some TV as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a TV show. Well, tell me about the TV show. Because I am very relevant and i like to keep things current mm-hmm. and up to date i have decided to start watching riverdale again again i didn't know I, you... oh I you, you had started one. it and not finished yeah i wa- we watched season one and we were like okay mm. and then I, I think started season two and it bad i don't think i was interested in well, it they're long reason. seasons right it's they're like 20 episodes 22 yep, jeez 22 god i didn't know they did that anymore I think I and, and Riverdale just recently ended, and I think it was one of the last of its kind in yeah. that regard. Um, I so we started at season two, um, and I remember most of season one. Season one was cool and good and stuff. So we started at season two and got I got really into it, and then we just went into season three. <laughs> so I've watched twenty two episodes of this in like I don't know a week. Yeah, um, we went into season three, and it's even better it's very weird it's very silly one of my main complaints about like 22 episode seasons mm-hmm. um is you know it's kind of the lost thing yeah. where you have like, to spin wheels at a certain point exactly and there's a mystery and we're never really going to get to it or i found a thing but i'm not going to tell you about it um Riverdale does not do that. Mm. If you find something in the next scene someone's yelling at somebody about it That's or good. If I've threatened you in the next scene, now I'm flaying skin off your arm. Like, it, it, the escalation is really fast. And Riverdale w- is is and was always CW, or did it at some point move as a streaming show? I It started on the CW. I think it might have gone to Netflix. I like, know it, if it's on. That's how you watched it probably, right, Netflix? Uh or somehow maybe not no yeah okay because i know that was where it was for a while so i wasn't sure if it was one of those like the show you where it moved yeah. networks or if it was just you know the streamers always went there after or the after real tv it, it ended up there so that's how more people ended up watching it or at least talking about it uh, i know it's it's viewable out there i had i watched the first episode maybe like five years ago mm-hmm. uh and it was one of those, I was excited because I like, um, the guy behind it uh, also did, whatchamacallit, uh, the tech, the um, Town That Dreaded Sundown. 
he was a playwright. I had like known his stuff for years. He also did um, worked like with the Glee people. So like I think he even wrote mm-hmm. some Glee episodes. Like so there was like a voice there that I knew was a voice that I really liked and was interested by. But I was not that into the first episode, and I thought to myself, this is a huge investment of time, so I might it, just not keep going. It really is, and I think that that's probably why we bailed mm-hmm. after season one because it is. It's a yeah, huge it's a investment. But uh, I've been doing. I, I get in these cycles with movies. Like, I started just rewatching stuff. Sure. And now I feel like I've rewatched so many things, I can't watch them again. Mm-hmm. So now I'm just kind of like over movies. I guess sure. I just needed the palate cleanser. So, this, it's very easy to, it's very watchable, it's very digestible, it's fun. It does things like, so as a child of Buffy, there are certain things that I enjoy in an hour long drama. And this hits everything. Mm, and and I have They do theme episodes. They do flashback episodes. There was an episode where they put on Carrie the Musical. Yes, believe me, that is the reason why I keep, keep telling myself, maybe I should go back and watch all of Riverdale and, just to get to that season. And it's really absurd. And they yeah. do, obviously, great character stuff. And, 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 and that's the last show I felt this way about was The Magicians, which was, a, I thought, a, a, a tremendous series and it just feels like i watched like the first couple episodes of something and i it doesn't hit me but like for some reason this this really has hit so if you need to sink hundreds of hours into a television show might i recommend i might need to because it's you know like i i have a couple of new shows on here that i watched for the first time but there is that comfort for me that was top chef because i had never watched a single episode of top chef and then maybe a year and a half ago I started watching it and it it's all on streaming and it was one of those like I don't need to sit down and watch it I don't need to stop what I'm doing I can have it on while I'm cooking because it's very appropriate mm-hmm. I can have it on while I'm cleaning you know once every month or whatever that is but the comfort of that show that I can go to and still get something new out of but yet not have to be tied down to it uh, has been really nice, except now I'm at the last season of Top Chef that I haven't watched, so I need mm-hmm. another thing like that. So maybe, 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 indeed. Maybe. It has, it feels very Twin Peaksy at times. That was my understanding of it, yeah. But it also has, like, a lot of really just classic genre references. I swear mm-hmm. some of the house, like, one of one of the houses looks like the Nightmare on Elm Street house. I'm sure that's um, intentional. It's just, there, there, there are themes that you're like, yeah. oh, this is a this is a classic horror. Yeah, th- this is or... deliberate. Yeah, and I like that because yeah. because I feel like while I'm not the, necessarily the audience for this show, I definitely feel like I am a peer with the people making the show. Which is how so... I always felt about Pretty Little Liars. <laughs> yeah, it's very Pretty yeah. Little Liars. I don't know why I didn't lead with that to to pitch you on it. I have said to Zach so many times watching it. Oh, this is just like pretty. Oh, this mm-hmm. is so much. Makes perfect remember, sense. Because remember the Halloween train oh, God, yeah. episode? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, and the year before the Halloween episode, like the way they would do shot for shot moments referencing classic movies. And you knew the, the target audience wasn't getting that, but we were. Yes. So it, it, in one of the things I loved about Pretty Little Liars is there was always an, a, an excuse or a reason to like put on a fancy dress yes. or go to a party. Yes. Um, in one of the recent ones, somebody opened a speakeasy and I was like, oh, I can't wait to see this speakeasy opening and what everybody mm-hmm. wears to it. Yes. And I was right. Everybody wore <gasps> okay. a cute little nice. outfit. Nice. <laughs> 
You know, if there's a show that's going to give me a good excuse to see cute hats, then I'm kind of all in. It was like, oh, it has big, pretty little liars energy in in that regard. Did you quickly, though, because I didn't talk about it on the show, I don't think. Did you watch the new Pretty Little Liars? I didn't. What's funny was I did watch the Pretty Little Liars spinoff that nobody else watched. Uh, I I didn't. Yeah, It was so bad. I can't even remember what they called it, but it was Allie... And Mona, which sad yep, me because I Mona. feel like that actress deserves a gigantic career and should not be slumming in that show. Um, but it was not good. And so then when I saw they were rebooting PLL, I'm like, oh, wait to see what the it, masses it was say. Good. Was it? Yeah. Huh. yeah. Did they, so, but they canceled it, right? I um, Probably. Maybe. At this point with the strike, if something yeah. wasn't a huge hit, it's probably going to be canceled. So I, I still have that. I like that genre of television. Yes. Because I, I liked the Scream TV show, if anybody's in the Which market. I still had not watched. Yeah. Um, then Cruel Summer is a show. Mm-hmm. The first season of Cruel Summer is so good. And we're, we're kind of watching the second season. So like it's still my bread and butter. I love these effing yeah. shows. Well, because there's so much content to it so you get the time to kind of stew in it Mm -hmm. and like you were saying and that i mean very much that pll thing of there is a mystery to to grip onto but also everybody is cute everybody is pretty they're wearing pretty clothing it's fun like as much as um that joke of CW actors in in like horror remakes, for example, which was like the big trend of the early 2000s mm-hmm. and how everybody rolled their eyes. But like you kind of get it because the thing is, we go to the movies because we want to see things that we don't have in life. So yes. yeah, sure, put really attractive people in this story. That's fine. And where do you get them? They grow them somewhere on the WB lot. Like, well, that's the fun thing about about Riverdale too. I mean, you know it from PLL. It's the casting of the adults, the casting of yeah. the parents. Oh yeah, that's right. They had Luke Perry in there, right? Yep. So so at now this is not a spoiler, but at now uh, Billy Loomis and Shelley from Twin Peaks were just laying in bed half naked together. Oh, fun. I mean, that's what I've. Yeah, that's life. great. <laughs> Yeah, and again, that's where you know the creators behind it are speaking to us yep. as much as they are the young audience. There was a direct Scream reference with Skeet nice. in one of the last episodes. I'm just saying. Like, I get it. It's probably not going to be some people's cup of tea because it is very silly and trite and melodramatic. And it is a bunch of silly kids, like, solving crimes. <laughs> so I can get, like, not being on board. But if you, if, if you even think that that's your shit, mm-hmm. I think you should check it out. Nice, nice. So that's uh, all I've been watching. <laughs> fair. I, I get that. Uh, so for TVs, I have a few. Uh, one is ongoing, but I watched the first TV movie version of it. Uh, as anybody who knows me enough knows, there are a few things in life I love, like, you know, cats and dogs mm-hmm. and cheese and V.C. Andrews. So Lifetime, once again, is adapting V.C. Andrews, like, from my time. So they're doing a Dawn miniseries. Or Dawn. Oh. I don't know what you call it when it's – I guess it's a miniseries, but it's a, you know, each – I think they're doing each book as a two-hour, but really, like, hour 40 installment separately. So they did the first episode, which was Dawn. The second one should be Secrets of the Morning. And then I think it was Twilight's Child and then Midnight Something – I read all these books a lot when I was young. So they did a Dawn adaptation. Uh, Jesse Metcalf plays the dad, which is very funny and makes you feel very old. Uh, uh, yeah, I would say uh-huh, so. Uh-huh, indeed. And it's it's very, because again, I read a lot of E.C. Andrews when I was young. 
And to me, the story is like the joke about incest is always there. And yes, every one of those franchises involves incest in two ways. There is the incest of always a character falls in love with somebody and then discovers that, you know, she was kidnapped and she actually is related to this person. But the other part, and this is like the more uncomfortable part, is that like she has been raised, and this is true of, again, several V.C. Andrews adaptations, where she grows up with a brother or somebody she thinks is her brother, and then when they find out they're not blood related, then they're like, oh good, now we can get it on. And that's even weirder to me. Uh, but anyway, so that's all. <laughs> every time these movies turn on, and Brandon has never read a word of V.C. Andrews. Yeah. And I have always had to explain, like, why it was such a huge um, influence on me as a young adult, as a reader, because it was the same way I like soap operas. It was such high drama, kind of gothic, but it was always from the point of view of a young woman who was really talented and really smart and all this yeah. stuff. So it was really important to like my development as a, I think, creator in some ways. And yet every time one of these airs on TV, the incest overtones are so, so ridiculous that it's impossible to to get past that by any points. So, um, yeah, if if you liked, I don't know, if, if you were wanted to see Dawn as a movie, like this did a decent job of doing it as a TV movie, except apparently Dawn was all about incest, which I didn't get when I read it 20, 30 years ago. That's, has anybody written about that? Like, so I've never read a V.C. Andrews book. I'm very familiar with them and their covers because I like Oh, of course. But I never read them. I was reading Very Inappropriate and Rice while everybody was mm, yeah, reading V.C. Yeah, yeah. Andrews. So we all have our thing. We do, indeed. But, but I think it is interesting that, like you said, it, it was, you're not alone in that feeling. Yeah. It was very formative for a lot of young women specifically. Very much. And I think it's very interesting that it seems to be one of our only outlets for incest. So it's strange that they've been so intrinsically linked now, whether or not it was the intention at the time. So so I'm just curious, maybe if we had other ways to discuss incest in pop culture. Right, we could just talk about the stories of V.C. Andrews and her her ghostwriter, Andrew Niederman. Very interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah, I always forget that. Andrew Niederman of The Devil's Advocate and Pin. Pin, I was just about to yell. You know, honestly, an inspiration. Totally, totally. Yeah, no, that's wild point. shit. It's, it is something I, sh- I should look more into because, I mean, there's, again, at this point, there is a whole generation of mostly women, but I'm sure men too, but that did have a very big awakening in, in a lot of different ways. And I don't mean that like sexually, just the, I think a lot of V.C. Andrews was the first quote unquote adult ish books that a lot of young women read. And th- it's it's funny thinking back because like I remember always knowing oh yeah there's you're probably related as I read the book yeah, whenever yeah, there was yeah. a love interest but to me that was never like it was a there was a forbidden love element but there was so much else going on and I never even as much as I read series after series I didn't think of them as incest books at all because there was to me that wasn't what you needed in that story you could take the fact that her love interest was her cousin out Mm -hmm. and you would still have something I'd want to read. Like that wasn't why I was reading them. So yeah, that's interesting. I I should look up more and and see because there could be a project there. Hmm. I just think it's so fascinating that it's such a taboo subject, but yet within these works, it's like, Oh, let's not just talk about it. Let's fucking pump it up. Yeah. And and the, the lifetime adaptations go so hard in it. 
where with Don, the opening scene of this of this Lifetime movie is Don. At this point, Don has no idea that her brother and her brother has no idea that they are not biological siblings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The opening scene is her getting ready in the morning, wearing this very like see through nightgown. And she's brushing her hair and her brother walks by and just like looks at her and you see him like, you know, you don't see the heart on, but like you sense the heart on. <laughs> and it's the opening scene of this fucking adaptation. I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, and like Brandon's just looking at me laughing. I'm like, no, it was more, it's about more than that. But then you're like, maybe it's not. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. And that's the thing is, are these modern adaptations actually just a reason to do that yeah which yeah. is really weird because mm. it's not i watch a lot of media there that is not a common topic no in, you're right just standard media i'm not <laughs> not to say that it should or shouldn't be i just think it's really odd that it's been relegated to a, your lifetime air quote style movie yeah weird That's, and weird and kind of along that same thing that we see a lot with how horror can be the first place to address something in society or to address something culturally, right? Like, you go back and when did we start talking about, you know, 9-11 and torture? Oh, right, it was with horror movies that were actually addressing it one way or another. Mm -hmm. And it's like that similar other thing of this little pocket of subculture that... The New York Times isn't doing book reviews of V.C. Andrews adaptations, but yet they're selling millions of copies. Mm-hmm. And yet this is the place where, you know, if you wanted if you wanted a lot of things, um, you could go there. But also if you wanted to find somewhere where there was a um, kind of mainstream incest, that's where you went. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Weird. Yeah, indeed. All right. Um, less. I, well, I guess not along the same lines, but uh, <laughs> other other TV that this one I don't think involved any incest. On uh, so there are the slasher series, which I don't think you ever watched any of, did you? Um, that show. Yeah, the sort of American Horror Story Canada style and budget. I think I watched the first season. Okay. There's... I was just about to ask you very broad questions that wouldn't have helped me figure out if I was thinking <laughs> of the same thing, but I think I did. I was like, was it outside a lot? Was there maybe snow? Oh, uh, the second season had a lot of snow. Was there a hot tub? Were they like friends somewhere? There were friends. <laughs> season two was they were what like summer I... camp friends. And then they had uh, reunited for like a wintry get together. Okay. So I think we might have gotten it. I okay. watched season one, tried to watch season two, didn't enjoy it that mm-hmm. much. Gotcha. Failed. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a weird little franchise. I've enjoyed it, but it's, it, it, it does different there's different things about it that i really appreciate yeah uh which is it is very gay um it i believe like i don't think it's the same creator now doing the show running but i think it's like the same team so there's definitely like the same aesthetic the same kind of style like clearly they kind of came at it as like we if we're gonna do sexual abuse we're not gonna show it but we're gonna hint Mm -hmm. at it we're gonna do this we're gonna do that we're always gonna have gay characters uh and the last I have. I feel like it gets. It's gotten better mostly each season. I think season three was probably the the best season. Um, season four was really fun. It was kind of a knives out type thing. David Cronenberg was in it, mm-hmm. and so the the most recent season is Ripper. And so now yes, it's airing on Shutter. I've, I've heard people talk about it. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's a sort of Jack the Ripper type story, except it is there is a Jack the Ripper ish 
murderer who seems to be female they call her the widow and she is not killing the um you know the streetwalker she is killing the rich and there is clearly like some crime that happened 10 years ago and all of like the wealthy elite were involved and they're the ones that she's targeting so it's good in that like it's a little more punch up than punch down Mm -hmm. which is always appreciated Mm -hmm. uh eric mccormick is in it as sort of like i guess the david cronenberg of this season um it's it's okay i think is where i ultimately landed like it felt clear it's hard to do period on a low budget and you can really feel like it's kind of a low budget and it doesn't you know it, it doesn't quite look the way you expect it to they're in canada so you can argue that there's no need for accents um and so nobody's british or anything but yet everybody not everybody but a lot of the actors feel really contemporary um and it so it just doesn't quite kind of you can't really fully it feels like costuming in that way Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um i liked the ending i liked the resolution it uh i don't know it's it is so gory it's like and very i believe it's all practical effects like it looks great if you're somebody that likes seeing really really extreme ridiculous murders you get that here Interesting. Um, which is again fine i think this particular go around i wasn't like always in the mood for it but i got to the point where i'm like oh i want to see who the killer is i want i want to finish it yeah and yeah. then i was like oh and oh man like do i that's a lot to see do i need to see all of that like um so kind of a mixed review if, if you've watched the series then no reason not to keep going but if you haven't i don't think coming back to this one I think if you're going to come back to one, season three or four are the ones to do that for. So Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's interesting. Okay. I'll have to re-add that to my list of potentials. Yeah, I would be curious for you to go to season three. Mm. Season... They're, and they're not, they don't necessarily, they don't fit together, They have nothing right? to do. No, 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 no. Okay. If anything, um, you could watch them completely out of order because there is no tie-in whatsoever. Okay. The only tie-in is that you have, the. it's again, the way American Horror Story does it it's the same actors for the most part over and over again in different parts. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of fun because you get to know a certain actor as the villain or as the, you know, very, I don't know, heroic character or the, um, or the villainous woman. And then the next season, like that same actress gets to play really sympathetic. And it's kind of a fun exercise because you get to see who's good based purely on like their range. Yeah. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to make it be all about Riverdale again, but there's a point in Riverdale where they, they essentially play their parents in a flashback Ooh. and you go like, Oh wait, that used to happen in PLL too. Oh yeah. And, and that's how we all knew. We're like, yeah, Hannah, Spencer's she's going to be really a star. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Spencer can do this. That's yep. cool. <laughs> the, the other two yeah. are very pretty. Yeah. I get that. So yeah, that, that is very satisfying. Yeah. So again, mixed, mixed review there. Um, but much bigger uh, recommendation for on HBO, Somebody Somewhere. Have you watched any of this? No. Do you know uh, Bridget Everett? Yes. Okay, so this is her show. It's season two. Um, it's great. It's the easiest way to describe it is sort of like a more realistic Shit's Creek in some ways. Okay. Where it is set in Kansas in kind of rural area and it's very very laid back as a show goes like there's not much of a plot Bridget Everett has moved back to her home because her parents are kind of having issues uh there was a death in her family so she's dealing with that and it's just her kind of in a coming back home and being very unhappy and kind of having no direction and then 
making friends and be- and having a very deep friendship with somebody. And then season two is a little bit more of that. And then her friend uh, becomes romantically involved and then she has to deal with that. It's to describe the plot is to, to say nothing. Cause there's like, again, very little happens in both seasons. Mm-hmm. It's very just much about here are some really interesting characters and people. And they're played by really, really intriguing actors. And we just get to see them play off each other. And it's lovely. Um, it, it is not depressing. Uh, it is very funny. It is very, uh, like, I mean, if you've seen Bridget Everett's comedy, like, it, it, like she can be pretty crash. She can be pretty... Mm-hmm. And it's there. And it's wonderful. Um, so I loved it. I definitely, like, this. the second season, like, hit me a little hard. Like, I did cry a bit. Oh. Uh, like, it's, it's not... Like, I'm saying it's like Schitt's Creek in that, like, it's a similar setup where you're sort of in the Midwest and... Um, you know, there's a lot of just hanging around, a lot of queerness. It's all positive. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't have to worry about anything bad happening just because of where they are. Um, it's very pretty because they're just, like, on cornfields. But yet there is just, it's really nice. And it's really deep um, and honest. And I really recommend it. It's, it's unlike anything I can easily compare it to. So, big recommend. H- HBO? It's on H or Max, if you will. Uh-huh. If you want to call it what it is now. <laughs> okay. It's wonderful. High recommend. Okay. Uh, another one I really liked, and I can't remember who mentioned this, but I saw somebody on Facebook talking about the show, and I'm like, I've never heard of this, and it sounds fun. Let me look it up. On Amazon Prime, Class of 07, which is um, easiest way to describe it. Again, like not to compare it, but you can. If, like, it's a kind of a Yellow Jackets E setup and premise. It is an Australian show, and it is a high school reunion of, and it's like a girls' academy, so it's all women go to their 10-year high school reunion, and basically the apocalypse hits, and they are stuck where, where they are is sort of on an island, so they are both protected and safe, but also going to run out of food and everything else, and it's all women that are there, and they have all the baggage of, imagine going to your high school reunion and suddenly you're stuck with those women and everything comes back out. Um, Emily Browning is the lead. And I have never, I have never seen her be funny. She is fucking hysterical. She's really good sometimes, but, but yet she doesn't seem to be cast to do much else other than be like pretty and doll-like yes. a lot of the time. Oh my god. But I, she's very confident. She really is. It's funny because I confuse her now with Dove Cameron. I think they look a lot that, alike. Yeah. Right? They're both very very pretty, very pale with kind of like big eyes, big lips, but the, the sort of very like doll-like yeah. everything. Um, and everything I've seen Emily Browning in has been like Sucker Punch or like that beauty, Sleeping Beauty movie like where mm-hmm. she is very much Typically, it is her look that is used a certain way. And in this, um, the opening scene is great. The opening scene is like she was a contestant on The Bachelor, basically. And she kind of has a freak out and it is very funny. But then within the show, she is sort of the, like, she's your, your, you think she's your protagonist and your hero, but she makes such dumb decisions that you see why, like, everybody rolls their eyes at her constantly. It's great. (laughs) She's so funny. Um... The, and the whole cast is, there are a couple of faces you recommend, all from Australian things. 
Um, but it's this great group of women. It's it takes a little bit of time to kind of settle. I think there's like the first episode or two there. It seems like they're going for really easy jokes, mm. but they they keep going and it gets very deep. Um, there's good stuff going on there about friendship and about like the insecurities you had when you were 16 and how 10 years later, like it just takes a little bit for those to kind of come back up and you think you're past them, but maybe you're not. And it's Mm -hmm. also really funny. It's just very funny. I think they're half hour episodes. Oh, that's always appreciated. Yeah. I don't know if this got renewed. I think I, and I don't fully understand because it's called class of 07. It was released on Amazon this year. So I don't know if they filmed it a few years ago or if it just, for whatever reason, like, was intended to take place five years ago. I don't know. It, it, something is off about that timeline that makes me think this was, like, just not, was, like, an Australian production that Amazon bought after the fact. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're doing any more seasons. It's a shame because it does, it's a satisfying one season, but it's clearly intended to go longer than that. Yeah. Uh, but, I- yeah, I, that yeah, <laughs> I always get hesitant to start things. You well, know? If you if it, you don't know its future, it is very yeah. like you don't. I've I've done the same thing. I, I often will not watch something until I know it's renewed. It's that's a real hack thing to say at this point. Yeah. But that honestly, when I heard Riverdale was ending, I was like, all right, well, I guess yeah, I was the time watch to watch it. it. Yeah. But but and I know that doesn't help it while it's airing by any means. Yeah. But like. I mean, I think at this point, we're all aware we have way too much to pick from. Yeah, well, and that, I mean, that is, uh, uh, there was an article, I think it was in Variety about that, about how, like, no, peak TV is dead. And it is because the bubble has burst. There is, and that is in part what's happening with the strike right now, mm-hmm. is that studios and streamers were just throwing money at things without any plan and any real compensation, as we know now. So you had so many shows that got the green light for one season and are great, and half of them we'll never even see because mm-hmm. it was ended up being cheaper to just not even air it. And it's such a shame. Um, it's, somebody at work recently told me about a show that they were watching, and they're like, oh, it's really good. It's on, uh, it's on MGM+. And I was like, fuck you. No, no. I am not. You cannot... I can't hear any more streaming sites right now, let alone, like, yeah. you know, that. But it's it'll change, I think, and that's not always for the better, because what we got out of the last couple of years was shows about people and by people who weren't getting shows in the past yeah um so we'll see how that all shakes out but i don't know so we're in a weird place right now we really are i have one more tv that is also kind of part of the i'd say the the peak tv-ness and again this is a show that had a lot of uh momentum and um like conversations when it premiered and i didn't even know it was in its third season because there is no publicity about it whatsoever. And that is insane to me because it is so good. And that is The Great. Oh, yeah. That is still on. It is still on, right? Yeah. Did you even know? I didn't I, know. And I have Hulu. I did because I saw my TV advertised it to me. Yeah. Uh, in, like a, in like a scrolling bar mm-hmm. at, the top, at the top. But no, I have I have not watched any of it. I love it. It's... It is very funny. Um, I mean, if you saw The Favorite, it's the same writer and it's the same tone. And by season three, like, because it is a very particular type of comedy, the actors now are so good at it. Mm -hmm. So it's Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt are so good and so funny. And 
like Nicholas Holt to me has been great since the beginning and he is hilarious but Elle Fanning really like this season I'm watching I'm like she has become such a good comedian mm-hmm. she knows what she is doing with every every facial tick and every line reading like this is a great comedy performance and again nobody even realizes because nobody's watching it anymore I, it it somebody had said uh with about the strike that i cuz i guess ms marvel is getting put on abc and instead of disney plus oh, fascinating. and people are like oh is this now when everyone's going to have time to actually watch these things and <laughs> sit with them and develop with the characters and i was like eh, i mean i don't like this and i don't want this to be the way yeah but like there's so much content and we we as consumers have not been given any time no. to actually explore what's out there and see what we like and see what works yeah um not to say that this strike is going to allow that to happen, but it, it is highlighting the glut of stuff we have, some of which is amazing that just none of us have had the time or the space to look at. Yeah. And I think now that we know how poorly compensated the people behind those shows are. Um, yeah. I don't know if you read, I think I can't, I think it was a New Yorker. There was a good article about Orange is a New Black and how that cast was so underpaid that most of because of the way that show kind of was structured was very like oh there are eight um cast members and then everybody else is a guest star so if you were in the prison and you were in 10 episodes each season you were paid and credited as a guest star which was like scale if even that so you had actors who were like yeah i lost money on the show because i had to provide my own transportation mm-hmm. and i was getting paid nothing and then i would go and work at a bar at night because i had to pay my rent and everybody would be like oh my god i love you on that show and you're like yeah okay can you please tip me because otherwise yep. i can't get to the show tomorrow like it just and it, it's a problem and it's um you know it's the same way we're going to suffer for anything all these resources that we think are endless, and in this case, it was people's creativity and talent um, that was exploited, essentially. And there was so much of it that we weren't even benefiting because we weren't getting all of it. We can't, we can't all watch mm-hmm. everything. There is no time for it. So who knows? Maybe, maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful because it seems like it's. Um, and the other part of the scary thing is how much the AI discussion is figuring into all oh, of this, yeah. which is terrifying and i hate it and blah um but yeah let's let's hope for a good outcome for everybody on this one eh? yes yeah yeah all right so that was all my tv i have some movies i know you have movies are we good to keep going or do you need a break no we're good to go all right so uh what kind of movies you watching do you want to do horror movies first sure do you want to go one and then one, or do you want me to just dump everything? You No, let's go one and one. You give me one, I'll uh, bounce off of it. Um, well, I'm not going to talk about Fright Night 2011 again, <laughs> even though I did watch it, or House of Wax 2005. I have a problem. Um, <laughs> oh, Amer- American Werewolf in Paris. Huh, I remember when that came out. <laughs> I never saw it. What do you I, think of that movie? I saw it. So it came out in 97. I probably saw it in like, I don't know, 99 or something um, on video. Uh, so this is, I think, my first official time watching it. It is so bad. <laughs> I remember it being like 
pan. And now, granted, any horror movie that came out in that era kind of did not get a fair shake from critics. But I distinctly remember that movie just being hated. And and I think I think for good reason. It, it it's not all bad. There are some like interesting things, and like I don't think that anything's such a classic that you can't ever do another. Oh gosh, like, no. Not so. I'm not coming from it from that perspective. But like, there's like two bungee jumping scenes, which <laughs> I which, remember that in the in the trailer, which aren't good. And there there's I I feel like it got really chopped up. There's like things that don't make sense. Mm. Like it's that level of bad. Like, oh, this doesn't make sense. Or, oh, where did this person come from? Or this Mm. is clearly a reshoot. Or I thought this person was dead. Is the tone of it in line with London or is it just a straight horror movie? Well, I know that we don't enjoy that man who made made the film. But he made some really good films, which we will also consider. But there's definitely a um a, a like a levity that he uh landis would bring to he, he makes comedies yes. for I, I believe that that is a fact he makes comedy i would agree he with also, that 100 yeah he also makes good genre stuff but he makes comedies this movie is that it is a comedy but it's not good and it's not funny and it's not consistent and it's not smart because that's the thing again we don't like him i don't like him but he make but he made a better movie than the guy that made american world in paris yeah like his movies are smart and funny Mm, and and weird and and like subversive at times this was none of that Mm. and and it like there were i think there was room for it you know it's funny, too, because I remember so much of that movie being advertised. I wonder, I might have been working at a movie theater when it was, didn't come out, but when it was being advertised, because it must have been, like, the TV must have been airing it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And the trailer was so serious. Like, it was very, here's, oh, like, I the remember. hit song, here is yep. this guy saving this girl, but she's a werewolf. But it was very, like, it was sold as a straight horror movie, probably because we didn't have horror, many horror comedies at that era. Like, mm-hmm. that was not a thing anymore. And, and it came, the comedy in it comes across as more like slapstick and like absurdist. Fascinating. But not like in any, in any interesting way. Not like it's actually saying anything. Mm-hmm. Because I could think you could argue that uh, London is, is absurdist. Um, right. Oh, but, very. But like, but very, but relevant to like the themes and what they're exploring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't feel like that happened at all in this movie. Nice. Good to know. Yeah, there was one, I never, because I'm so not a werewolf person, it was never really on my radar, but there's a part of me that wants to see every 90s flop in the genre, so I think I can keep this one down the bottom list. You'll see a a theme. I think I'm trying to be a a completist of that time period. Exciting. Okay, cool. Uh, Talk about being a completist. I will move over to Shudder, where I finally had the opportunity to watch the 12th installment of the Children of the Corn series. Oh, thank God somebody did. Um, I... You know, I'm thinking obviously a lot about this franchise as a whole, and I feel like everybody's, um, anybody who has a relationship with it has the same relationship to it, which is like, we all have kind of, you know, strong memories and different feelings for the first one. A lot of us rented part two and three, so there's some like affection for those. And then we hit the point where we're like, I think I saw four and five and maybe six, and I know I saw the remake, and I... I think I saw this one. And then we really can't remember past a certain point because they rounded a corner and they got really boring. So Mm -hmm. 
this one was not boring. I this is a stupid movie, and I had a great time. <laughs> I, I think was at like, this point they need to. Be they need stupid, to be. Right? I, yeah. I so the thing that still kills me is that there is still. I I do love the first one. I think there is some really good stuff in the first one, but the first one is also very clearly a movie that ran out of money and did not get to be finished. It doesn't feel like a finished film. So while there are scary things in part one, I don't think there has ever actually been a scary, chilling Children of the Corn movie. And I think you can still make it, but this guy can't. So this is, um, I think if I had to give a like, how would you describe this movie in one word, word, like one sentence, it is a that escalated quickly. It's like a one day (laughs) Children of the Corn changeover. Now, two things I love about it. One is that I think there is a kernel. See what I did there? I did not mean to, but it came out and I couldn't stop it. Corn kernel. Uh, Get it, everybody? There's a kernel of a really good good theme, which is that this is about the adults have failed the kids. Mm -hmm. Right? There is the opening scene. There is sort of a... um, shooting where the town sheriff deals with it by basically killing a bunch of kids inside um and then in like later as like the the main issue of the current moment is that the corn has been so poisoned because years earlier the adults like signed off on with like a some corporation that was going to do something different to the corn and it basically destroyed the corn so now the corn is poisoned and it's because of the decision these parents have made And the new decision is, well, the government's going to subsidize us to destroy it and to not grow anything. And so the parents are like, all right, so what we're going to do. And meanwhile, the kids who are led by Queen, uh, the actress's name is Kate Moyer. The character's name is Eden. She is pure girl boss, Megan the doll energy. Um, I love Mm -hmm. this kid. It's very bad seed, Rhoda Penmark. I love her so much. And she's like, no, like, this is our corn. You find out why it's... (laughs) spoiler alert I guess it's because like so she was part of the massacre in the opening scene but like she ran to the corn and she was safe there because he who walks behind the rose who we get to see in this movie and he's basically Groot um Groot took care of her so now she's like no we can't destroy Groot he's my friend so we're gonna kill all the grown-ups and it gets really vicious and they kill them in pretty like oh my gosh that that was intense but again this all happens over the course of like three hours (laughs) Um, again, stupid, stupid movie. I had a great time. I, I've never seen a uh, Children of the Corn movie. What? I, I'm sorry. Is this microphone on? Did you just say you've never seen a single Children of the Corn movie? N- no. Why? You never saw the first one? No. <gasps> you know what? You know what we're doing in October? We're doing a Children of the Corn episode. Okay. We're going to do I, part I, one and maybe part two if it's findable anywhere because part two is kind of fun. I think Zach would be very happy about that. Oh my gosh. I have like so many people I know have said like, one of these days I'm going to sit down and watch all of them. And everybody I know has not actually gotten through all of them, which is again, very similar to the Hellraiser franchise. Cause mm-hmm. this is like, there's at least two sequels in there that were, Oh shit, we have to make a children of the corn movie before the rights run out. Uh, do you have a script that we can turn into children of the corn? There's at least two of them in there, but the first one has some really good things going. I, I don't doubt that because I think for me, the interest is my interest has just never been piqued because I don't really get into like the creepy kid <gasps> subgenre. Oh, sometimes I, I, I wonder know, how we're friends. I know that's a very big divergence between yeah. the two of us. It's just not something that's ever really hit or been interesting to me. Um, 
I don't know why. I don't know why. So it's just a whole franchise that I just kind of went, yeah, nothing for me there. One of them has Kirstie Alley in it. I know that. Um, oh, does it? Right? Oh, my God. Well, gosh, one of them one has Naomi Watts. One of them has Charlize Theron. One of them has... What? Yeah, oh, yeah. Charlize Theron has a really, like, almost, a, like, naughty... She's almost an extra in part three, Urban Harvest. Part three is probably the funnest of the sequels, because that's the one where the corn goes to the city. Um, oh, uh, what's her name? Naomi Watts is the lead in part four or five. Uh, Eva Mendez shows up in one. Like, it, it is by far the most before they were stars franchise. Interesting. I, is she in one? I don't even think I knew that. Hang on. Now I've just accidentally bookmarked Kirstie Alley's IMDb page on my phone. I don't. I could be wrong. I thought Children. maybe I had. Are you? You might be thinking of the of um the remake. No, you're thinking. I know what you're doing. You're thinking of the remake of The Village of the Damned. Oh, thank you for understanding what I'm thinking <laughs> of. Because I don't. Yes, she is in that with Christopher Reeve, uh, and yeah, that is also yeah. an evil children movie, uh, and that is might be worse than. Um, if you were doing a ranking, it might be like right in the middle of the Children of the Corn franchise. I'd say that. It's not very good. But there are some duds. So. I am so unaware of creepy kid movies that I'm just. To you, you just lumped them all together. together. Yeah, whole, good whole gosh, Christine, you disgust me sometimes. Sorry. It's okay. Give me a movie you saw. I guess yeah. it didn't have creepy kids in it. Um. Uh, I rewatched Friend Request. Okay, which and one I, is Friend Request? Because as so, you know, there are 17 movies that came out within the course of two years that have very similar titles. I yes, you're completely right. I do know which one this is. So, um, Friend Request has the young woman that's in Fear the Walking Dead. Oh, I liked Friend Request. I like Friend. It, honestly, it's even better the second time. Huh. I really enjoyed it. I gave it a three and a half on Letterboxd, <laughs> which I think is a bit higher than other people. I think it, it, um, there's like, it's very much like haunted Facebook, but there's also a lot of other stuff going on in it. Yeah. It feels more like the ring to me mm-hmm. than anything else. And I think that if you really view it through the ring style lens of like social media and like what we see and how we interact with people. Like it, it's, You're right. it's very interesting. There, there is very much, um, I think something I liked about friend, cause what happens with a lot of these movies is that the characters are all awful. So you don't care about anything. Mm-hmm. And friend request is a narrative film. It is not a found footage type no, movie. It's not. Correct. Yeah. And I, and I think with that movie for me, what I really liked about it was that, the lead and i like that actress a lot she was i mean she deserved better than fear of the walking dead so mm-hmm. she is nice like she is a nice person who happens to be very pretty and very like you know somebody you'd want to be friends with and she is not being mean about her interactions with the villain like she is trying to be like hey i'm sorry oh maybe i ooh like there is that nice kind of like um sense of this person did something nice, but then didn't, couldn't commit to that full time and is now going to pay for it by somebody who read that way too deeply. So, yeah. Def- definitely. I, I recommend if you, if you didn't pay attention to Friend Request, Unfriended, or Unfriended Dark Web, mm-hmm. I recommend that you watch them. That is my order of recommendation. 
<laughs> friend request, unfriended, and then unfriended dark web. Um, I think unfriended is a lot of fun and still really effective. Yep. Dark web is less fun, but I honestly, my qualms with friend requester is honestly just character stuff. The overall, what, what it's trying to accomplish in the package it presents mm -hmm. to you is, is great. And I think people were too hard on it because we got a oh, lot totally. of what appeared to be the same social media yeah. movie over and over again. And I think that movie suffered from having actually been a studio film that got released in theaters. Yeah. I think I if think. that dropped on, on, I won't say Netflix because people have a visceral reaction to horror movies on Netflix. I think if that dropped on like... I don't know, on Hulu, then I think people would find it and say like, oh, that was okay. Yeah. Whereas when it was perceived as a studio-backed film, it got a lot of random anger at it that I don't think it merited. Oh, I feel the same way about Truth or Dare. The Lucy yes. Hill oh, wait. Did, yes, yes. I like Truth or Dare, too. Yeah, and the other movie like that was also called Truth was... or Dare that came out the same year. Oh, yeah. I remember. We talked at length about that. <laughs> yes, yeah. we did. <laughs> oh, what a time to be alive so on the social media ish horror uh, I watched one on Amazon called The Girl in Cabin 13 I have seen this go by so there is a social media element because the it's about this couple and she's an influencer and I don't think this movie knows what that means because all she yeah. does is like take <laughs> pictures of food and herself and like she has millions of followers and that's how she makes her living but it's like she it's not like exciting food and she's not doing anything i don't know maybe i don't understand influencer culture because that might be a thing i don't know but anyway so one day like somebody breaks into their house and they're freaked out and the cop comes he's like maybe you should go away for the weekend they're like okay we'll do that so they do they go to a remote cabin somewhere and then the first thing she does is video you know do a selfie video of her being like hey here we are in our cabin it's great <laughs> and posts it so then what do you know the people that were uh show up again at her cabin um so this is one of those movies that i can't be too hard on because it is so clearly made for nothing uh it is a seems to be like a film studio somewhere in like utah that does mm -hmm. like a lot of these kinds of movies very quickly very cheaply the actors are not terrible like they're doing what they can um i don't think either of them are going to be stars but like the guy especially i'm like no he i could see him being like showing up in something and i believe him in, in it the problem with this is just like these are they are so stupid and you can forgive a little bit of that when you're watching a movie if the rest of it is doing something interesting but it's they're in the cabin and now they're they for, they keep forgetting to close doors behind them <laughs> like it's it's not recommended it is very dumb but it's the kind of thing i like to watch i completely understand yeah what you got uh, i have one it's a new movie mm. that i watched newly mm. um i i'm gonna make a concerted effort i'm now i haven't watched skin of a rink i haven't watched the outer waters uh, there's I'm getting a buildup of things that I feel like I need to see in order to be in on a discussion about modern mm -hmm. films, Yep. Um, which sucks. I don't like being in this deficit. But there is a film from last year that I had been kind of interested in and decided to watch, and it's called The Visitor. And the poster for it is like a painting of a guy, but his face is all um, not there visitor um okay i see i'm pulling it up good so, poster yes so basically what what it, the the high high points are like hey 
It's a doppelganger situation. Also, there's weird paintings depicting a guy that already exists. Weird, right? That's weird and cool, right? Yeah. No. 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 Um, I gave it two stars. I think I was being... No, two and a half. I gave it two and a half because I'm a generous, nice person. (laughs) Um, There's just so much wrong with what it was trying to do. Maybe it's on Paramount? I'm not sure. It seems Um, like the kind of movie that would be on Paramount. I'm, I'm glad I watched it because I was interested and it had interesting ideas. It's just the execution of it was really clunky and it, and it had such fascinating concepts but didn't seem to want to actually engage with them, mm. which is weird. You got a doppelganger and you got weird paintings with a guy in it that shouldn't be in it. That's cool. There's <laughs> interesting things to the the director I'm not familiar with, but the writer, at least one of them, is Simon Boyus, who did The Devil's Chair and Broken, which are movies I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like some kind of pedigree behind it that is intriguing, but it sounds like it is not worth my time. Uh, I didn't, I don't know who would get excited by this movie, okay. honestly. Um, especially if you've seen a lot of horror movies, which, mm. you know, we have. Yes, and it's yes. kind of like, well, I guess this exists. Good to know. Well, I'll swing around uh, to another doppelganger movie, one that you recommended. Woo! I think I know which one this is. I went to Hulu and I watched Duel. What did you think? I loved it. Yeah, it was really good. So I, again, this is like where we talk about peak movies as well as peak TV, because how how did I never hear about this until you mentioned it? And I still have never heard anybody else mention it. This was so... This to me, like I think part of the probably it's it's maybe problem with finding an audience is that it is a little bit of a I won't call it a bait and switch, but on paper and even when you first start watching it, you think you are getting a very different type of movie or genre of movie even. And this is to me like a black comedy. This is the lobster. Oh yeah. This is sure. if I had to compare it to anything, that is what it's doing. It is a weird universe where everybody is a bit affected and talks differently than we do and and relates to people differently and so this scenario of it being oh you clone yourself and then you might have to fight your clone to the death like that is not at all what this movie is about there's so much else going on and it is so much more about the comedy i laughed so hard watching this movie yeah it's Riley Stearns, man, he he creates worlds. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a full universe, and um, it's not just like it's it. You get dropped into this situation where this isn't. It reminded me of that that um, the clock movie where everybody has uh, timer like timer. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, but but like it just drops you into this world that is so very much like ours, but with very big life-changing differences and it's interesting to see how these relatable recognizable characters have to deal with that Mm -hmm. and and it so it's fun because it's like oh this looks just like your world this is our world this is where we live oh guess what there's cloning and now a duel to the death it's (laughs) completely right oh and karen gillen is so good oh she like yeah she needs to be in everything 
And it's so fun because she is playing such a different, like, the whole idea of her being kind of, well, no, like, unlikable, but yet everybody in this world is unlikable. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you watched it. I'm glad you liked it, too. Yeah. Cool. Um, I have one. Go for it. Um, I watched for the first time Phantom of the Mall. Oh, I just added that to my queue. I can't remember if I've seen it before. Um, I, I, it's, so I was, this is probably not something I should admit, but I was saying to Zach, I've edited like three pieces about this movie. I, Mm. I've read so much about this fucking movie. I've read synopsis. I've read, I've read other articles. I've, I've never seen it though. (laughs) It just never was in front of me. And, and then, now it's on Shutter. And now it's on Shutter. So I said, you know what? This is like 90 minutes. Let's watch it. It's so good. <gasps> Ooh. It's, that's exciting. It's very chopping mall. It's the chopping mall mall, right? I think. I think that mall was used for so many things. So probably. I think that's, is that the Bill and Ted's mall too? Maybe. I don't. So it's, I believe it's the chopping mall mall. Nobody quote me on that though. Um, but it's got big chopping mall energy nice. in the sense that chopping mall is very anti-capitalist. Mm-hmm. This is oh, also yeah. anti-capitalist. It's also got like, like all the dudes in it are like rapists. So it's got this really like, I don't know, man. you need to watch it. I if do. You feel, if you feel passionate about it, maybe we should talk about it. Cause it's Ooh. really weird. Okay. Okay, I I will I will, and we can probably find something very interesting to pair with that. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll do we'll do. Um, all right, so let's see. Uh, my list. I've got a. I'll go with a dud. That was a disappointing dud on Shutter oh. Consecration. Oh, which one's this? It's with it's Christopher Smith who did Severance and The Black Death and a bunch of other stuff. Who I always liked, and I always want him to like make that movie that I love, and he hasn't yet, and this is not one. Jenna Malone is in oh, this. Oh, it's the Jenna Malone one. And like, oh. I forgot it was her because she's got red hair and has an accent, and I did not recognize her at all. And halfway through the movie, I like pulled something up on IMDb. I'm like, oh, oh, right, that's her. So she's good in this. She's fine. Um, Danny Houston's there. He's good. The problem with this is it's doing a very folk horror. Um, you know, reminds me of Dark Waters, reminds me of a couple mm. other films. It's, you know, a woman whose brother is is killed at this convent in, like, sort of, like, in Scotland, in the middle of the highlands on the water. And so she goes to investigate, and there's something going on. There are nuns, there's a demon or an angel, I don't know. And I was, like, really, like, yeah, okay, okay. I'm watching at the gym, I'm really into it. I come back to keep going, and I realize at a certain point, I'm like, I have no idea what's going on, and I don't think I care and that's ultimately how I felt it just it's doing so much work to give you a tone and it does that and you're like okay okay now now what and it just I don't I don't know like I didn't understand the story in the end I didn't get who was who Mm. um it just sort of went off the rails but not in a fun way it just kind of like it just it felt like it just didn't fully understand its own script I don't know. It was really disappointing because I know that filmmaker can do better. Yep. Yep. Um, it's on our list and, and Zach's been pushing it. I think I'll still probably watch it. Yeah, you guys might get more out of it than I did. I'll be curious. Yeah, I'm interested because Christopher Smith is the triangle, right? Yep. yep. Which which I recently watched and, mm-hmm. and fell which is in great. love with. Yeah. So I I don't know. I'll give it a shot maybe. Yeah, he has a, a mixed track record. But when he hits, he does movies that are kind of unlike other things. 
And I think maybe that was this movie's problem. I think it's very, it feels really, like, you can see all the references he's making. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, so we're doing a little bit of a throwback. But then whatever is original there is muddy. Uh, to where I really, I ended this movie and I'm like, I don't actually, no, I, I don't know what just happened that I, again, don't care. So, but you might uh, feel differently. I want to hear it. Okay. I'll, I'll look at it. Um, I think I have one more horror movie. Ooh, okay. I have um, four or five more. I rewatched The Nun. I can say that. Okay. How does The Nun hold up? I was yeah, so, not crazy about it in the theater. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't. And I think they gave away one of the best gags and scares in the trailer. Mm. And, and there's a lot of stuff I don't like. And it's just not, it's not what I like. It's very, I don't like when they get deep into religious propaganda. And I mm-hmm. feel like this one does. Yeah. That being said, it looks fucking beautiful. It is a good looking movie. Yeah. It's stunning. And yep. there are a couple gags that are like, oh, those are good gags. Because for me, the Annabelle nun conjuring, mm-hmm. though it was all to me boiled down to how good they look in the gags. Mm. <laughs> because I really feel like those are those movies' strengths. Yes. Um, I'm very excited for the second nun. Who's directing so, the second nun? I feel like it's somebody interesting. I'm not sure, but the woman who wrote the second nun is uh, uh, malignant in um, Megan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Akila Cooper. Yes. That's exciting. Yes, 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 yes. That's very so, exciting. She's great. And it looks like, because I watched, after we watched The Nun, we watched the trailer for The Nun 2, and it looks to be a direct sequel. Mm. Because part of the thing I didn't like about The Nun was that this is from a character standpoint. There's a lot of other stuff I didn't like about the nun, but we, we, uh, Thaisa Formiga's character, we get really attached to her and, and she's hanging around with the priest. And she's also got this like Frenchie, this like French Canadian kid that they hang around mm-hmm. with. And the end of the movie, this isn't a spoiler. This movie's been out. I'm so sorry. The end of the movie reveals that Frenchie has been possessed and, and he's a possessed guy now. And that's sad and anticlimactic. He's like possessed with the Warrens, I think. I don't know. It, or the Warrens have footage of it. So it's like, well, this sucks. Because I just remember we... being really distracted because I just assumed Taisa Farmiga was playing a younger version of, of I was about to say Diane Warren. It's not Diane <laughs> Warren. But now that's a whole nother movie that I am totally there for. But I didn't like at the end of the movie realizing the timeline because I thought like, oh, OK, well, um, what's her name? Mrs. Warren. We know that she eventually is married to Patrick Wilson, but that doesn't mean she wasn't a nun. I know she's really Catholic. So in my head, it was like her origin story. Because why would you cast Thaisa Farmiga in the same franchise, not even the same franchise, like the same cinematic Uh, universe as her older sister, who she looks exactly like, and then they're not related. And I was so distracted by that. I felt like I didn't even watch the movie because I realized I was thinking about something completely different. I don't think you're the only one. Good. I I have heard other people say that. I will say I don't think they look anything alike. And I know I've gotten so well, much shit for this. Well. I just don't see it at all. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know they were related because I remember her from the first season of American Horror Story. I didn't know they were related for like years. <laughs> and that could be why. We both have face blindness in just very different ways. <laughs> very different ways. <laughs> I had no idea. But it looks like The Nun 2 is a direct sequel. So the Frenchie character actually gets to like we had to see what happens because okay. I felt like it was a really undercutting of characters. They just asked me to spend like an hour and a half, two hours with, and now they're just shitting on them. Mm-hmm. And I hate when, I hate when things do that 
Because, like, what was the point of me spending my time with your characters if you're just going to shit on them? Yeah. But I feel like the second one might uh, rectify some of that feeling. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see it. Good, good. Um, Okay, so a few more that I watched. Um, Nothing that was... uh, Well, actually, let me talk about the good one. I know I have two good ones. So um, Hulu. I did a bit of a a Hulu watch on a bunch of things. One... um, this actually it was on Hulu, but the reason I watched it was because it was on my queue, and then it was on the expiring part. Uh-huh. So I'm like, ah, oh, I'll watch this before it moves to another streamer, and I have to remember that I wanted to watch it. Sea Fever. That sounds familiar. I have definitely never. seen I'm it. sure you've seen like the poster go by. I think you would like this. This is it's it is um, written and directed by a woman. It's an Irish movie. Uh, Nisa Hardiman, I think, is the um, filmmaker. She did a lot of TV. She did some Jessica Jones episodes. And this is, uh, we're on a boat. Uh, it is a fishing expedition, but there's also, like, a young biologist on the boat who, like, is there in order to, like, just do a dive and get some samples and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Doug Ray Scott is there. Connie Nielsen is there. Love it. And they are on the boat, and they go into waters they shouldn't. And there's a giant squid thing. And it basically turns into Alien, like, very directly. Like, there are, there are winks and big clear nods to both Alien and the thing. And it's good. Like, it's very slick. Like, it's 90 minutes. It feels like this could have been so much longer, but it seems very committed to being like, nope, we are in and we're out and get attached to this character because we're going to kill him right now. Like, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I like this a lot. It felt... I, th- I think you would dig it. I think a lot of people who, if you're listening and this sounds appealing in any way, like, please watch it. It was very good. I liked it a lot. I wanted more. Um, but I also respect that this, just like the style of this movie was that like, nope, it's very, you're on a boat. There's nothing there. We can't dilly dally. Like this is the story and it's over in 90 minutes. So I recommend. I thought it was going to be scary. So I will look into it now. It's, um, the name of it seems like scary stuff, like parts falling off and it's a body horror. Definitely. Like there, there are definitely body horror elements. I think it's it's tough because I'm thinking like, what is your definition of scary and mine are different in different ways where there's also that aspect of they're on a boat in the middle of nowhere. Um, there's a, a joke in the beginning, but that's very true, which is like, oh, yes, a lot of the crew can't swim because that and that is true of a lot of crew um, out there is that like, no, they don't they're never in the water. They don't have to swim. But it's like, oh, no, but your boat's going to get eaten by a squid. So you're going to have to swim. Uh, I I don't know. It's it is. um there's good moments here. Like I, th- I think you'll get a lot okay. out of it. You All should right. watch okay. it. Okay, I might, I might brave it. You should. Uh, you do not have to brave the other movie that was expiring soon that I watched because it was expiring soon, and that was called The Complex: Colon Lockdown. I'm so confused by if this movie was a apparently it is based on a video game or like a but not a video game. It was some kind of like computer strategy game. I think. I don't know. It's a. In some city somewhere, there's this biologist team, and they're doing, like, really, like, scary experiments with nanotechnology, and there's somebody protesting it who basically, like, eats it, and then, um, so that, like, she's gonna die in front of everybody, but they get her, and then they're trying to get this technology out of her, but in the meantime, there's the threat of biological warfare, it's confusing in explaining it the movie was even more confusing and I didn't know if I was supposed to like anybody or what anybody's motivation was and then it was over so Mm. not a recommend 
That's a bummer. It is. But what was not a bummer? A recommendation from you. I gave The Devil Conspiracy a go. And I enjoyed it. Oh my gosh, that movie. It's fun. It's very, like, warlocky. Um, or, like, you said it best. You're like, this is the movie that Legion, we wanted Legion to be. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. And it it looks pretty good. I don't know what the budget was, but it, you know, there we got some cool things going on. It is chaotic. I There was, like, eight different storylines that I was hoping they would go more into, but then instead they kind of kept shifting. Um, it is by no means a perfect movie, but I enjoyed this. It, it's big. It takes big swings. It tries things, and it's satisfying. I I think I think that's true. I I'm glad you watched it, and it's tough to recommend something like that because it's like, is this good? <laughs> no, but it's a good version of what it is. Yeah, it's entertaining. Yeah, like yeah. I see I see what you're doing. I appreciate it, and you did it okay. And there's little decisions made that that you can like look and be like, you could have done that very poorly yep um and i think like the impregnating of the women if you will um like this is very much a we're trying to reincarnate lucifer so you're watching this you're like oh how are you gonna handle that because the whole idea is obviously that you're trying to find like the right vessel so am Mm -hmm. i gonna have to watch demon rape no i don't have to watch demon rape they found a way around that so i appreciate that yeah yeah, i agree lots of smart choices yeah the only thing i was really mad at was that I thought I would get more Peter Mensa, and he's in it very little, and Barely. I did not care for that at all. Because I, Agreed. the actor who's ultimately like playing him in a way is fine, but how much more exciting would it have been if that was Peter Mensa? I yes, fully. Yeah. yeah. Uh, two more. One which was the complete opposite of um, being. Uh, what's the word? When ambitious? Yes, this was not Ooh. ambitious at all. <laughs> No, so, that wasn't that wasn't a good word. Right, so Devil Conspiracy that. is ambitious, right? It's trying it is, big yeah. things, taking big swings. This movie, I start watching, I'm like, this why this this cast is way too good for this movie. First of all, if you if wow, you're a horror movie that you haven't heard of and you're on Peacock, <gasps> it is rarely a very good sign because it means like what, like Shudder didn't want you, like Tubi didn't get you. Like Peacock has this very weird low budget the movies on Peacock feel like they should be on Amazon Prime, but they're not. They're they're there. So this movie is called Jackals. Uh, stars Stephen Dorff, Deborah Kara mm-hmm. Unger, and Jonathan Check, and a few other people that like you might recognize. But like right there, you're like, oh, that's that's a, like a decent tier cast of people. Um, it is a so it's this family is in this remote cabin. And you figure out what's going on, which is one of the the oldest son has joined a cult, and so they've hired Stephen Dorff is a like professional cult deprogrammer, and he's kidnapped the this guy, and they're gonna try to like you know get the cult out of him this weekend. But then the cult shows up, and the cult wants him back, and they're a satanic cult, and they want to kill everybody. So a few things here. Um, the first bit of IMD, so this is directed by Kevin Gruter, I think is how you say his name, who did Saw 6 and Saw 7, a.k.a. Okay. the best Saw and the worst Saw. Uh, apparently it was directed and made in 15 days. And watching what? it, I'm like, yeah, this feels this feels like a 15-day shoot. It's what is this again? Jackals. 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 Okay, that's why I couldn't find it. I was trying to... Yeah. I was like, is this a Bruce Willis movie? <laughs> <laughs> Not Day of the Jackal. Jackals. Uh, Stephen Dorff. Okay. It's, 
it's there not it is. terrible. It's the shame watching it. I'm like this. This feels like it could be better because the cast is fine. Like, and most of them are very good. Like, Deborah Carr Unger is going to give a good, weird performance no matter what you put her in. Like, Stephen Dorff is fine. Like, Jonathan Shack like has yeah. a world in his eyes in this movie, and he just doesn't get to do much because this movie is done before you know it. There's a prologue that you realize, like, oh, this movie didn't make its runtime, and they had to add five minutes, so they threw in this prologue, and. It's, I don't understand it, because it feels like it wasn't like you, you, this isn't like a Children of the Corn quick make it before the rights run out. I don't know why this was so rushed, because this, there was a good movie here, and it's just too quick, and it, mm. it's over before you know it, and all of the things that could have been built are just there, but not developed, and it's kind of a shame, like it's not a recommend, but it is not, I wouldn't say it's terrible, it just... It's rare that you're watching a movie and you so clearly see what went wrong. <laughs> yeah, that's it, it. Can be really frustrating too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a funny bit in the beginning where they're like trying to watch the TV and they're like, "Oh, bad reception up here." And in my head, I'm like, "Oh, that's how they're establishing that nobody's even nobody has a cell phone." And this movie f- finishes, and I start looking up trivia, and I see set in the 1980s. I'm like, "Wait, what? This movie was set in the 80s?" I, I read that in the uh, IMDb description, and I was like, oh, that seems fun. There is nothing, like, I guess in hindsight, like, there's a moment when they pick up the phone to make a phone call, and it's rotary, but, like, the, there is everything else about, like, nobody got the memo that was supposed to be 1980. Like, nobody looks like they're in the 80s, nobody talks like they're in the 80s. It's fine. Like, I didn't need them to be, I don't know, like, wearing puffy pants and hairspraying themselves, but... It's weird, like, that's one more thing that you're like, ooh, if you had to tell me that this was set then, and then it also makes me feel icky, because I'm like, oh, are they trying to do, like, Satanic Panic is real, and I don't like that, but I, I might yeah. be overthinking it, so I don't know. No, 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 I, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, at this point, there's... we can't make jokes about that. Or not, we can joke about it. We can't make movies that are purporting that was real. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the last horror movie I watched was, um, as we know, uh, Netflix is is finishing its disc program. Yes. As R.I.P. Some of you might know, I am one of the 17 people left who get discs from Netflix. So we're at that point where it's like, ah, oh, what's the queue? What are we watching? What's, what's left on the queue? And I'm still kind of trying to find movies that are not available elsewhere. And so this movie uh, was a Dolph Lundgren action horror from the early 2000s called Battle of the Damned. Oh, how was that? It's not very good. Oh. It's Dolph Lundgren fighting zombies with rope with the help of robot. They're friendly robots, which is cute. Um, there's a little bit of weirdness because like they're in, they don't say where, but they basically say like an Asian city. Um, so within the cast, like it's a couple of white people and then like two Asian people, even though they're in Asia. And then the only people left alive at the end are all white. So there's like certain things that you're like, oh, mm, didn't, you, yeah. didn't you look at that and see? But um, I don't know. It's a low budget, lots of CGI. But for what it's doing, it's fine. Dolph Lundgren's fine. It's a good time. There's some yeah, good action. He's, he's always fine. He's never he's the problem. In fine in a lot even. of ways. That's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> uh, so then I have four other movies, two that are horror adjacent and two that are not. How about you? 
I have one other that I think is horror. Ooh. Yeah, it's horror, I guess. Then do it. Uh, Let's hear it. So I watched um, 2001's Soul Survivors. <gasps> 2001 Soul Survivors, not to be confused with the wonderful 1984 Soul Survivor. No, this is Soul Survivors. <laughs> Did Sorry. I see this movie, Christine? That is my question to you. Um, no. I don't think I have. This is Eliza Dushku, um, right? Eliza Dushku, um, Wes Bentley, ugh, Casey Affleck, and um, a very underutilized Luke Wilson. Um, so I have two two memories. Of, actually, I have three memories of this movie. One is the poster, because it was that yeah. Scream-style poster. Yeah. Two is that thinking this was sort of like Final destination Yep. And three, I still remember the tra- – I don't know why. I'm sure this happens to you, too. We're like one tiny moment from the trailer that you must have seen 50 times sticks in your head. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a moment where Eliza Dushku is like, I'm in the mood to dance. Does that happen in this movie? There is a lot of dancing. Okay, okay. So probably. Right, a great. lot of it, much like American Werewolf in Paris, a lot of it takes place in a weird pseudo goth club mm. that is in an abandoned building, kind of. Popular thing in that era. Late, I, late I 90s. Guess, Blade, remember rave. Blade? Remember the, the spring, blood sprinklers? Blood rave, yeah. I mean, so if that is the height, and I still think it is. I think it's the height of rave Mm. rave culture in movies because this is this is not it um <laughs> i don't think i liked this movie it, it's one of those like american werewolf um in, in paris where you're like does this even make sense <laughs> and i don't think it there's a lot of it that didn't make sense to me um but eliza dushku and Wes bentley are in it so like i don't know you have to weigh these things for yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like it to me felt like peak faith uh eliza dushku nice, like, nice. which is the really, best kind of eliza dushku personally yeah um i don't think it was very good but it's of that time mm-hmm. and it's i think 2001 yeah that scratches yeah. an itch that's a very particular itch yeah so like i i think there's some value to going back and look at at these old movies that might not have been that successful oh yeah because because at this point they're like 20 plus years old that's a long time ago it is and and it is very telling of the era when you watch yeah, it especially big today. time and that's big interesting time. in itself even if the movie isn't good you learn something culturally when you when you do that exercise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and speaking of i'd say a movie that was sort of interesting for a lot of reasons even outside of the movie itself i watched i think this was 1995 citizen x which is a was an HBO made for HBO movie, and it is about a real life case that was a um, serial killer in the Soviet Union, which actually spread into Russia. Like it was the case went on for so long that the investigation started when it was the Soviet Union, and by the end of the investigation, when they finally caught the killer, uh, it is now Russia, and that is in part why they were able to catch this person was because some of the bureaucracy changed a bit um this is a wildly good cast Stephen ray yeah Stephen ray is in it oh I just saw. <laughs> he's it's so he is the um like he's actually the what do you call it the the guy that does the bodies he's the the mortician mort- uh, kind of like but 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 like in a criminal way Okay. So yeah. the, the forensic investigator, we'll say that. There you go. Yeah. But then he ends up becoming like the lead detective on the case just because he kind of cares. 
and Donald Donald Sutherland um, in like very like President Snow before President Snow Donald Sutherland like he's got mm-hmm. the same hair in this movie. Uh, Jeffrey Damoon is in there as the killer. That's not a spoiler. You figure that out pretty quickly. And a, a baby-faced Imelda Staunton, who plays the wife. And I mean that as exactly that, because she is there to be the wife. Um, which is, to me, like, the problem with this movie, is that it eh, there's a little bit of, of an issue with how they handle, like, females in general in the movie. Mm-hmm. But, but this is good. Um, it is... Uh, there's something about this movie that's very kind I guess in a way where it's this horrific absolutely horrific serial killer and I'm not a true crime person I don't particularly like watching movies based on real um serial killers it just leaves Mm -hmm. a bad taste in my mouth and this I feel like I'm like well it's you know 40 years ago it's Russia like there's interesting things about it to where I didn't feel like I was being you know too much exploitive of, of these crimes yeah yeah and the movie is very much about like the toll it takes on somebody to investigate because Stephen Reyes character is very much a like a, like it's very much established he's a good man and he is smart and he is figuring things out but he is just restrained by the bureaucracy above him and Donald Sutherland is the guy above him who's like look we can do this but basically you have to play the game and it's really interesting for that because it's Donald Sutherland who you think is just kind of a yes man but you realize what he is doing the entire movie is doing that so that he can gather information and like leverage his power and and all of so it really is like an origin of of President Snow uh but there is something very like the best parts of this movie is just when it's the two of them talking and understanding each other and when you get towards the ending and you kind of like Donald Sutherland starts to like learn more about oh in like the FBI doesn't let somebody stay on a case that long like they rotate people because of what it does to a person and so there's something that it's handling and it's not like you don't really see the crimes you see aftermath of the crime you hear them talk about it but it's not Mm -hmm. you're not seeing sexual assault and things like that and it really is handling, looking at that from a different view. The And the other problem with it was that the ending kind of, like, and I'm not spoiling, but, like, it feels like this is a movie about the investigators. And then the ending is like, oh, but now let's just spend 10 minutes on what happens to the killer. I'm like, no, 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 go back to Stephen Ray. That's what I want to know more about. So it's yeah. it's flawed. It's it's not perfect, but it's it's a good watch. I think you would get a lot out of it. Yeah, I'm a huge uh, Stephen Ray fan. So. He's great. He's so good in this. I don't know. The last like five or six years, I've just been like, yeah, Stephen Ray. He's, he's great in everything. Yeah. I'll watch anything he's in. It's it's one of those things too. It's when I was watching this movie, and like ten minutes in, and I, I had that moment of like pausing and being like, "Fuck, he's good," because there's yeah. something when you see an actor take a role that you've since seen that role played dozens of times on every crime procedural every thriller that comes out every lifetime movie like there's always like the investigator who sees or who cares and yet so quickly i could like i i was there with him i was like i i trust this case in your hands like it really was remarkable how much you could see what a good performance he is giving in this movie Mm -hmm. without doing anything crazy without doing anything big it's just his presence right away, the way he talks to people and the way he is talking about this crime and what he is seeing immediately, like you trust him and it's remarkable in that way. 
Well, I might have to look into it. I'd be curious for you to do so. Uh, adjacent to that, my um, one of my other Netflix discs, uh, which very much is a would make a great double feature with Citizen X, was um, Bong Joon Hee's Mem- Memories of Murder. Which, which I have not seen, but I am familiar with. I that. had not seen it until I finally did. I said Bong, Jong, Bong, Bong, Bong Joon Ho. I'm sorry. Uh, my Korean cat is mad at me from beyond <laughs> the grave. So this is, again, Bong Joon Ho, who did Parasite and The Host and dozens of other movies that everybody considers to be some of the greatest of modern times. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like not my kind of movie. Again, Citizen X isn't necessarily either. Um, Memories of Murder is very much a detective crime proce- crime procedural similar thing serial killer in south korea in the i guess late 80s i think um and it is just the investigators who don't have the same tools that we have today and they don't have the right methods necessarily and they are making mistakes left and right um and it, this feels it, to me if i had to compare it to anything i'd say zodiac for a lot of reasons um, but it's that similar thing, which is not my kind of movie. This was not necessarily made for me, but I can't watch this and not say, oh, but it's really good. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's up my alley a bit. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I do when done well, this is, I, I like shit like this. Yeah. Um, it's, and this is done very well. Yeah. I should probably prioritize it because, you know, ever since the host, I've been a Song Kang Ho fan. Oh, and, and he's in this, and he's so yeah. It's a really interesting character too, and a gr- a great performance because he's you kind of you've seen that actor now enough things to kind of know what he's really good at. Yep. And this movie, like you think that's what you're getting, and then you realize like, but you're wrong. But you're not like you're lovable as a presence. Like this guy shows up on screen, mm-hmm. and you're immediately just like behind him. Yep. And yet he's doing some. He's a, he's a he's a bad cop in a lot of ways, and that's really neat to see because it's, and that that is I think what makes this movie challenging, is that it's hard to ever like. There's no hero. There's nobody. There's no Stephen Rea in this movie. There's not mm-hmm. that person that's like no, like oh no, you know what? Look at that guy. He knows what's going on. There's a character you think is that way. There's sort of like the more educated like soul detective comes in to like help with the case and yes he's right about a lot of things but he's not right about everything and it's it's that like where it's it's a movie that is almost frustrating because it is so not satisfying Mm -hmm. but that's deliberate and it shouldn't be um so it's really good i'm i'm absolutely recommending it it is not the movie for me per se like i'll probably never watch it again but i am glad i did and i will reference it when i compare other things to it you're giving me some good ones. Good. So I have two more non-horror, and then that's it for me. Did you have anything non-horror, or nah? Uh, I did. <gasps> I had Ooh. I had something. Uh, it happened to me. I finally watched Streets of Fire. <gasps> I didn't realize you never had. I had never seen it. Oh, my. Streets of Fire. That is Walter, what's his name? Walter Hill. Walter yes. Hill, thank you. I... Uh, more importantly, that is Rick Moranis. I yes it is I I liked it mm-hmm. I don't know that I liked it as much as uh, some people like it yes same um but I I definitely liked it I got it I think there was one really fun song 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I think the music is great. I don't remember yeah, it all, yeah. but um, was it not when we were young? Like there, there's a couple of like anthems to that movie that are pretty, pretty kick-ass. Yeah, it, it there's definitely stuff to like, but I don't know that maybe it was where I was at or mm-hmm. how long I waited. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't change my life. And Same. for some people, I really do feel like they have like a a real big experience with it. And sadly, I did not have I, that. I'm with you on that. I think I saw it maybe 10 years ago for the first time. And same because I didn't have any of that nostalgia. Mm-hmm. For me, it didn't hit. Like I, I could appreciate it. It was fun. There were a lot of things to it where you, um, it feels of its time. It's got an energy to it, but it didn't. Like, I, I remember people in it, but I don't, you know, it, it didn't make that same imprint on me either. Yeah, yeah. Which, I mean, again, though, I'm really glad that I finally mm-hmm. looked at it. Because um, it, it felt like it was one of those glaring kind of yeah. things. In, um, in our circles, yes. Yeah, like, like uh, I'm a, because I like Walter Hill. Like, yeah. Uh, so, and I like, sometimes I like movies with music in them. When mm-hmm. it's like. When, when it's, like, meant to be there, not when people just bust out singing. <laughs> so, so, like, yeah, but I'm glad I watched it, and I might revisit it uh, at some point mm-hmm. to see maybe with my expectations kind of in place sure. if I'll have a different experience with it. So on the topic of movies where people just bust out and singing, which is one of oh. my favorite things in the world, uh, Brandon had never seen this, and I was itching to rewatch it. I So there there is a, a lot of common threads going on. I don't know how much of it was the Joe Anderson connection. But we talked about the ruins, which we'll come back to mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. And Devil Conspiracy, Joe Anderson mm-hmm. is in. And he is also in Across the Universe. I have ever actually seen this. I I can't... I don't know that you would like it. Yeah. It's... I really like it. And I had not seen it in years. Um, the other thing that uh, I was intrigued was another podcast i like the sends at prom did an episode on this and it reminded me i'm like yeah i'm like that's a movie nobody talks about anymore like and it's a big movie it's a it's the beatles musical like the budget yeah. for the beatles songs it was tens of millions of dollars and it's a julie tamor movie so it's another tens of millions of dollars because of all the shit that she's throwing at it um but i realized i hadn't seen it in a while and i'm like i don't know if it's good i remember enjoying it but thinking i don't think it's good but i'm enjoying it and rewatching it with Brandon, who'd never seen it. So I had no idea. I'm like, I don't, I think you'll, you'll like the music, I think. Um, but he really liked it. And he looked at me, he's like, no, he's like, that was great. I'm like, it was great, wasn't it? Now, story, I think it's still true, like, story-wise, it is, there is not a lot there. Yeah. Um, if you watch the, if you remember, in the mid-90s, NBC did a miniseries called The 60s, and then they did a miniseries yeah, called The 70s. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So The 60s, which had Julia Stiles in it, um, this is sort of like a big-budget musical version of that in terms of the story. Like, it's not really much of a story there, but the music is great. I think Julie Taymor is a, you know, complicated um, artist, I think, in a lot of ways, but do not dare say to me that that woman does not have an eye and have a good feel for how to visualize material because it is really visually stunning. Um, some of those songs are handled really well. 
Uh, that was the first time I think I had ever heard I want to hold your hand like done slow. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now you hear that everywhere. And that was a bit like Glee did that and everybody like fell over themselves. I'm like, but across the universe did it a few years earlier and they did it really well. So there's a lot there that I think is really remarkable. Um, again, not a perfect package, but if you are a musical person, um, if you're a Beatles person, or if you are, I like big visually ambitious movies that do wild things that I think you should watch across the universe. Yeah. Everybody that's not me should watch across the <laughs> it universe. It would seem. Yes. And then the last of my movies, which was another Netflix disc that had been on a long wait for probably like the 10 plus years that I've had Netflix. Uh, this was Pasolini's The Decameron. So this had been on a long wait for a very long time and now at the end of the discs it's not on a long wait anymore so what i've always done this was a trick that used to mean something but and i like giving bits of advice to people but in this case it means nothing because netflix will die in like a week but the trick was take on your queue on your disc queue take all of your long waits and very long waits and bump them to the top because several things happen. One, a lot of times that just means that there aren't many discs of that movie, so you might never get it. Um, it also meant that what would happen a lot was Netflix, I don't know if they felt bad for you or what, but they would send you extra discs. So they would you get a note saying, we're sorry, we could not send you, um, your your top disc was, was out, so we've sent you the next one while we wait for the next one. And then you'd get two discs. So I always had all my very long waits at the top. And this was one of them. It's not anymore. I don't know. I don't know. I, maybe I should have just kept the disc at this yes. point. At this so point. So interesting. Yeah. Um, but a lot, it's, a, it's a Criterion release, which mm-hmm. so is Memories of Murder. So a lot of times probably those because they, I don't know how that worked. I'm guessing Criterion at a certain point wasn't giving discs to Netflix. However, that worked. Just mm-hmm. since, especially once they had their own streaming. Um, so this was, again, one of those kind of i don't know that it's a rare film to find it might be on canopy now everything is on canopy um but this um so pierre pasolini's the decameron i've only ever seen of pasolini i've seen solo and i've never seen anything else so i always kind of assumed like his movies are all going to be kind of like solo mm-hmm. and decameron like on one hand is because i'm watching it like very quickly there's like poop stuff going on but the weird thing is it's actually really sweet like, there's penises, there's sex, there's all that. But it's really kind of, like, positive about all of that. Well, well, that's good. Yeah, I guess, again, like, just my, you know, knowledge of Pasolini being a complicated guy, being somebody who um, was very in-your-face about sex and about violence and a lot of things. Um, I assumed if he was adapting, you know, a 13th century um, series of stories, many of which you know, ended tragically, I was going to see a lot of, like, awful things. But it's much more about, like, the joke being on the Catholic Church. Like, this is very much a movie where it's poking and poking and poking um, Catholicism. And it's doing so in a very, like, sexy, fun, playful way, where I was just shocked, because I just assumed I would finish this movie and, like, want to take a shower. But I didn't. I thought it was kind of fun and almost sweet at times. Well, that's good. Yeah. Again, there's poop, but only a little bit. That's and you know what? How can you escape it? I mean, everybody poops, right? And it's if you don't, title, then I that's think. probably a problem. 
Yeah, you might be an alien. Yeah, maybe you have a system figured out, but like it's it's a fact of life. So yeah, that was my uh, diverse list of films. It was pretty diverse. You know, when you think about it, girl, girl in cabin that thirteen, uh, all the way across the universe. So there. Yeah. Did you have any more? Anything else? I, I watched Fast X. So is that the new one? That's the new one. Does that mean it's part ten? Yeah. Okay. Because like X meaning Roman numeral ten. Yeah. I, okay. I guess. Have <laughs> but, you? So I, have you seen all of them? Like, were you fully oh, caught up? Fucking absolutely, I have. <sighs> yeah. I don't remember any of them, and I don't know which is which the vast majority of the time until mm-hmm. Zach says, "No, that's the one where this happens," and I'll be like, "Oh, that's the one where the character who we thought was dead is back in there, but then they kill him again, right?" Like, that I, most of, of the time, it's it's usually that's the one with Luke Evans in it. No, that's the one with Charlize has that hair. Oh, that's okay, so I you're. Re- it's more like the villain is the easier. Yeah. And that makes sense. That makes sense. That's how I remember. That's things. the one about family, Christine. Oh, one through ten, then. <laughs> family is truly a character in these films. Um, I'm, I, I, I don't know if you're going to watch it. I'm never going to watch any of these anymore. <gasps> I go, Pat, Christine, is so good. Jason Momoa. Anything you've heard about Jason oh. Momoa is true. Actually, in this I, movie, yeah. He is a he is a strong breeze of fresh air. Mm. He comes in and he says, "This is absurd bullshit. Let's lean into it." His character is so cartoonishly evil that it is so fun. Is there a way I can just watch him his scenes? Has well, anybody put that together yet? That's a good point because every time Vin is on screen, it's not fun anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and it's him. It's distinctly him. Everyone else is doing really cool stuff. And, and like, because there's such, like, um, international hits, the comedy has become very broad. Mm, yeah. and, and I would say, I guess, uniquely American. And the way that they've um, boiled it down is to just really weird dad jokes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, broad puns. And I'm, I don't know. I gave it a four. Wow, but it was it was so fun and silly. I, you know, the way you just don't have that musical bone. I just don't yeah. have the bone for those movies. I you I want to have the bone. I never not for that franchise. I never really did. Yeah, we I we really did a couple did. of them. We we did kind of. You remember we powered through and did like the first I, five. Yeah, we did a lot of them. And I mean, there's things like to me, I I hate one. Two, um, I enjoyed more than I, than like anybody else. Yeah. I don't know why. Three, I admire, but I find boring. Four was t- de- terrible and very boring, and then five was really good. And I think I stopped at five because because it coincided with Step Up. That's that's right because we were doing it with alongside the Step Up series. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Uh, I get it. I get why you would. And I find most of them to be very forgettable and boring, except when I don't. Except mm, when there's sure. like a cool action sequence or a particularly good villain or like a fun, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I get it though. I enjoy, I enjoyed this one. Well, I'm glad you did. And I'm glad you. to hear I, I, Jason Momoa has so much potential for everything. He's a lot of fun in this. He's really out of place. He feels like a character from a different movie. Nice. I'm, I'm fine with that. That sounds right. It's, it's really good. Nice. Very nice. <laughs> Uh, And the only other one I really have was I watched the new Transformers. Interesting. Because you're a Michael Bay fan. 
I kind of am actually. But um fascinating. Well, I mean he he was at least doing something. So I I watched this new one and um it's directed it was directed by uh a gentleman of color, uh, not a white dude. So I was super interested sure. to see it and I had heard decent things or at least interesting things. It was fun. I don't think it, it didn't change my life and it wasn't the best thing I've seen, but I think it might be the best Transformers movie. Well, that's something. <laughs> I haven't seen a lot of, I, that's not true. I haven't seen all of them, but I've, this is the most enjoyable of the ones I've seen. Um, I, no, I don't know if this, again, like I want to be very clear. I am, I am not, I don't have good taste. I really oh. don't. Um, I am not somebody that like ever is like, well, I didn't watch those movies. Like never take that as, as a sign of anything. Um, I mean, again, like I view Fast and the Furious through the lens of Step Up. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I have seen most of the Children of the Corn movies. Um, I have never seen a Transformers movie. I, I, one was on TV once for about five minutes and I watched, I was like, yep, nope, not, not my thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know that I've, I never felt like I missed anything by that. Yeah. Um, I'd heard I very it. good things about Bumblebee that made me think like, oh, I guess if I watch one, maybe I'd watch that. But then I it's thought, do I need to watch that? Sweet. Yeah. You don't need to see it, but it's a very sweet coming of age movie. Mm-hmm. More, more akin to like an Iron Giant than like. Okay. But, but like, I get it. Well, yeah. Like if there's, I don't, there's nothing for me there. My husband is a Transformers fan. So I like legacy, like. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. So when there is something in, in, if I'm not opposed to it, it will get watched. So like I, I'd heard interesting things about this Rise of the Beast one, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, yeah, let's watch it as soon as like we're able to. Sure. Um, but yeah, I don't. It's not. It's not my preferred genre by any stretch. Right. It's. I guess it's the equivalent to Zach as the Barbie movie will be for for me. Um. So I know we're wrapping up, right? Uh, I think I'm good. Yeah, I got everything. I don't plan on seeing the Barbie movie in the theater unless I can see it at the drive-in. Mm-hmm. Which, Understood. Which remains to be seen. I've had some, the couple times I've tried to go to the theater, I've mentioned it here, I've had really bad experiences. Yeah. Sure. Um, so I don't know that I'm jazzed about it. That being said, I cannot watch one trailer or one bit of promo for that movie without feeling like I'm going to burst into tears. I'm... I am ready to explode. I, everything I've seen has made me yeah. want to just cry on the ground. And I have started to hear because the, so, I mean, you've, I'm sure been following the red carpet. Yeah. Like it, it is just next level as to what Margot Robbie is doing, what America Ferrara is doing, mm-hmm. um, what Ryan Gosling is doing. Like there is, there are narratives being spun and there are just things happening that I'm like, ooh, ooh. And the same, and now it is premiered, like, there aren't reviews out yet, but people can start saying some things. Mm-hmm. And so I have seen some people who have seen it be like, I can't say anything, but oh my god, it's even more than you think. <laughs> so, I have my ticket, um, July, it's the Tuesday after it comes out. Cool. Um, I am so ready. Um, July 25th, I have it in caps on my calendar, Barbie movie! Um, I'm... I'm yeah. very. I can't wait to hear what you have to say. I'm very excited that you get to see it. Um, yeah. I'm going to try. Uh, I hope you. I hope you get your chance. I, I worry sometimes about being excited for things. <laughs> yeah. And, 
and having faith in something or someone. And for me, it's more of a someone. I have a lot of faith in getting Greta Gerwig. Uh, yeah. Um, like a lot. And, and I worry sometimes too much. But I just think back to that seeing little women in the theater. And when I tell you, I didn't even shift in my seat the mm-hmm. entire run. I didn't move. I was yeah. frozen. And the guy next to me started clapping at the end. I just, I know that she can do that. And I just imagine her doing it with Barbie. And yeah. it's just really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And also like, it's you know we know that barbie is going to save cinema as we know and that's all great but also when it does it means that now greta gerwig is going to have like carte blanche on the next thing she does and you know like if greta gerwig does a fast and the furious movie i'm there understood maybe one day yeah like (laughs) fast and the furious transformers crossover directed by greta gerwig's trans furious let's do it right let's do it yeah Okay. I, I we're already almost there. They're going to do GI Joe and uh, and uh, Transformers. So okay, one more step. One more step. <laughs> we're so close. All right. Well, reality. Now that we have saved Hollywood, <laughs> uh, we will leave you, Christine. Where can people find you? Um, the internet mostly. I'm still on Twitter. If you, you're on Blue Sky, you can find my Blue Sky. You are at Xteen Peace underscore make peace underscore, maybe i'm i'm not i'm not hard to find um, no you're not and christine com for your books and as as evidenced by the people that have found me i'm not hard to find yes oh, what about you emily where are you i'm the same place i'm at deadly dolls in different places and deadly dollshouse.com for my writing and also, before we go, we should throw out a shout out and book recommend, but I, I, I can't recommend it in full because I haven't finished it yet, but I am loving it so far and I have about 100 pages left. Uh, our dear friend, Jason oh, Fozzie Nelson, wrote a book. I have it on my Kindle. I haven't started it yet. Very nice. I'm currently reading The Ruins, as you know. Yes, well, <laughs> I would hope you are, Christine. But I don't know how much has been changed, but I did read early versions oh, of exciting. this and it's extremely it's interesting great it's so good um I, i'm weird. so excited to finish it because i i feel like i can't like say like everything about it until i finish it because he could bomb the ending who knows he won't <laughs> i know he won't um but i am again i'm about probably about two-thirds through and i'm really enjoying it it's a wonderful read um listeners you have heard jason on our show before as a guest he is fantastic we all love him dearly and he's a great writer and he's written a really like we talked about true crime like this has a lot of true crime investigation elements but it's also funny it has some really weird things going on which of course we all love so i'll link that in the show notes everybody should buy it uh you can get it on your kindle or a hard copy like i did and then i spilled coffee on it so i'll have to get another one uh all of these things so you should go find that everyone yes yes okay with that being said, uh, everybody stay cool in the summer heat and go buy your tickets to the Barbie movie and make it beat Oppenheimer and everything else this year. Yay! Woohoo! Let perpetual light wash over them. May they rest in peace. Were every soul taken? Sometimes I feel like he's still here with me. I mean, really here. There is one left behind. Hey there. Is he? 